It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. We've had another massive night at the Euros on Optus Sport. We've enjoyed Italy, the headline act, with their fabulous 3-0 win in the last game of the morning. So much to dissect that we've got an all-star lineup to do so. So let's get right into it. Italy are through to the last 16. Yeah, hi everyone. We enjoyed another great night at the Euros. Italy, as I mentioned, off the top, the 5am game, spectacular fair, but a big night for Wales fans too, and the Russians, a 1-0 win over Finland. So we'll talk about all about that. We'll preview what's coming up tomorrow. I'm joined again by our Optus Sport journalist, Nick Stoll. Welcome to you, Nick. How are you? Very good. Very excited. Uh, been a great morning of football and I just love being around Optus Sport and getting to talk to great people like uh, John and David this morning. Oh, you've stolen my thunder with the introduction, sorry, but we'll sorry, get into sorry. it. John, great to see you again. A couple of days spill of the Gagan pod, but we've got you back again in our a new surrounds. If you're watching the visuals at any point, we're in Optus Sport HQ, if anyone's wondering. Um, how are you holding up today? I'm glad to be back. I missed it. I missed the Gagan pod. That's my highlight of the morning, Dave. <laughs> so I'm, I'm happy. I'm back. Italy won. Wales are probably through, you would think, but uh, it was a good morning of football. I can't do anything for you with that flattery, so I appreciate it anyway, but it's, I can't, I, I've just got powerless. I can't give you any, anything off the back of that. A very warm welcome today, as I said, all-star cast. Uh, uh, and actually, an inaugural member of the Gagan Party is back with us today. Uh, Dave Squires of, of the Guardian fame. Um, great to have you in, mate, and to get your thoughts on the tournament, because I know you've been across it feverishly for all your uh, in, installments and cartoons that go across the planet. Welcome back to Optus Sport. How are you? Thanks very much. Well, I'm really well, thanks. Well done for bowing to public demand for getting <laughs> me back. Sure you, you know, inundated with emails and yeah, so it's good to be back. What's your been um, impressions, highlights of the tournament? What's kept you busy and focused to get your brief out uh, each week? You know, I'm always looking for that meme content the whole time and it hasn't been short of that. So um, you sort of lose yourself and... In the miasma of the of the tournament, you sort of lose track of time, days, reality. So um, I'm very much caught in that in that whirlwind. But yeah, it's been good fun, really good fun. Well, on Monday, I thought it was Thursday, so that's really good. So I'm glad I'm not the only one. I was just going to say, uh, Dave, Marxism taking over the English national team must have been good uh, for your content. We saw that coming, right? <laughs> load, of, load of millionaire footballers in a, you know, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, it was uh, anyone who hasn't seen it, go to the Guardian to get uh, Dave's cartoon. It was a wonderful one. I want to see a cartoon of Paul Ocon cooking a pizza, <laughs> Margarita, <laughs> like he did this morning. That was great. I'm sure he'd be tucking into one right now, Dave. Do you know, I got a call from my kids this morning, and my four year old said, Dad. Can I have that pizza that you were making on TV? <laughs> <laughs> was like, was I like it. We should do cooking shows here at Optus. I think there's a future in that. Oh, it was great stuff. It's great to see Paolo and Adriano having a great time in Rome. And rightly they should. No wonder they are buzzing, guys, because today was another fabulous performance by the Azzurri. Three nil winners uh, today with Emmanuel Locatelli, the star turn. I said on the show that Italy have never scored three times in a game at the European Championship Finals, and they've done it. Twice in a row. You're on deadline for this game, Nick, for the Optus Sport app. What were your impressions of the game? 
I'm, I'm struggling to... We've seen uh, very impressive Italian teams over the years in multiple tournaments, but have you seen one this dominant? This one that creates this many chances, this one that can play against a high press, that, that plays so attacking, that dominates the ball so much, that creates so many chances. I can't remember one in my time. John, can you remember one? No, I can't. Oh, look, I followed Italy very closely, uh, coming from an Italian family. And um, since the 82 World Cup, when they won, they were very defensive. We all know about the Italians and their catenaccio, but this Italian side is completely different. They don't concede, but they don't concede by playing on the front foot and, and dominating usually the, the game and, and the majority of the game. This morning they had to like withstand a little bit of pressure in that second half, but they created a number of chances. And I just want to say Locatelli was sensational. At the beginning of the tournament, he probably wouldn't have been in the starting 11. Verratti probably would have been in the starting 11, but he's taken his chance, and that first goal was brilliant. You The volley and the vision, and then to, to play it out to Berardi, and then Berardi going 1v1 with Rodriguez, and you just saw Locatelli. As soon as he hit that ball, he knew Berardi was going to take his man. He sprinted into the box, found that space, and uh, it was one of the goals of the tournament. Or well, we're spoiled, you know, because you think of Patrick Schick, long-range goal. If that's your poison, fantastic. Pogba, that pass. Another beautiful thing. Beauty is in the eye of beholder. Today, I think we were mesmerised, John, watching that goal and the setup and the run of Locatelli to follow it through after that pass. We are blessed in these major tournaments, Dave, and uh, you're blessed with storylines, content, and, and nuance coming through left, right, and centre. And today, it's Locatelli and the reborn Azzurri. Yeah, I mean, like John was just saying, like I, the first Italian team I remember was 82 and very defensive and hitting teams on the break. And that's, you know, really how... That's sort of the Italian DNA, and you don't expect to see them. They're the most fun team in the tournament so far, and you don't expect them to have like flying wingers up and down. And, um, you know, I don't watch a huge amount of Syria, and, um, you know, Sassuolo I haven't seen much of, I'll be honest. But, uh, yeah, Berardi's been amazing, and Spinazzola as mm. well. Like, you can imagine Mourinho watching that at Rome <laughs> and thinking, oh, you know, I've got this amazing player I can... I can. I'll, I'll break him. <laughs> How can no I make him better be defensively, though? No, I think Spinazzola is getting forward because he's going. I'm never going to see this part of the field ever again. Yeah, you know what? It, we spoke about it last time when the, the Italians played. But Spinazzola, who plays for Rome, uh, playing at the Stadio Olimpico, his home ground. Immobile, the same. Uh, Acerbi, who came on, the same. And I think that uh, you know they feel at home. They they, they feel like they're playing uh, in their backyard, and it's really showing. And Immobile, he. Made run after run after run this morning. Didn't think his goal was going to come. Credit to Mancini for keeping him on because he ended up grabbing his goal right at the end and it was a beautiful strike. Um, you know, obviously it's a great pleasure to, to watch uh, football with so many legends around the Optusport uh, couch, but sometimes I think, who would I really want to watch, you know, specific games with? Today I would love to have watched this game with the Sassuolo president because he would have been <laughs> licking yeah. his lips. No, he was at the bank. Yeah, he would have been He would have been buying yachts or telling his wife, listen, whatever holiday you want, we can afford it now because Locatelli is going to go for big money, assume, you know, presumably, and even uh, Berardi. I think Berardi is probably going to get a big fee as well. So, you know, the Sassuolo president must be... The, the one one thing about yeah, yeah, the one thing about Baradi, he's known to knock back yeah, big clubs. Yeah, they, he they they question his motivation in terms of going to a Juve because he, mm. he got asked to go yes. to Juve and he turned them down. He said, "No, I'm happy at Sassuolo." Um, you know, 
doesn't need the pressure, but he plays like he doesn't, you know, you know, have any pressure on him. The the way he was taking players on today, I look, I've got a soft spot for left footers, obviously, and uh, to watch left footer pass to the left footer to set up the left footer nice. to score, it was brilliant. And he's uh, he's twenty six, so he's he's not a late bloomer because he burst onto the scene with as a as a sensation. And then as there were those questions over his temperament, mentality, and it's taken him to go back to Sassuolo and actually feel like the big fish in the in the small pond mm-hmm. to use one of the favourite sayings on the Gagnapod to actually. Um, feel his potential but we were so looking forward to Chiesa coming into this tournament Mancini backed Berardi and and you can't say he's got any selection wrong in that sense and you talked about Locatelli a bit earlier I mean not only that if it was this time last year he wouldn't have even been in the squad he hadn't made his debut yet so it's absolutely phenomenal stuff and I already can think uh, Dave it was very funny watching social media this morning and literally I actually saw one article go up that was Arsenal fans cry that they've just been priced out of the man they were going to get for 40 million euros in Locatelli um, with Juventus with Paris Saint-Germain coming into the mix but even they say uh, Tottenham with their new managing director of football possibly hoping he can maybe manoeuvre his way into maybe into the front seat but a performance like that takes you from 40 million to to what? Yeah that's right and one of the other things I mean you mentioned Chiesa there as well and his involvement, or, you know, a bit of a fringe involvement. And yeah, it's a little bit depressing because you think, uh, I was watching it thinking, oh, I wonder if he's Enrico Chiesa's brother. And then I realised, no, it's his, his son. son. <laughs> I'm actually really old. The grave is creeping towards him. Um, but yeah, they've been amazing to watch. My only thing, I guess, would be like the, the two teams they've played haven't mm. been great. So it'll be interesting to see how they go before they face a real test, other than obviously the magnificent Wales in the next game. But um, like if you look at the way that the things are sort of working out, they'd have a relatively straightforward, you would suggest, game in the second round. So the real first real test will probably be Belgium in the, in the quarters if you know, things go according to plan, which they rarely do. Well, speaking, speaking of old as well, uh, I was looking kind of when Locatelli was born, 1998, Two years later, uh, Chiellini makes his debut as a mm. professional player. So that shows you the kind of age difference even within the squad. And when Chiellini went off, you know, I actually thought, oh, Italy could be in a bit of trouble here. You know, he's their leader, he's their captain, he's their defensive organiser. Did not seem to matter one bit at all. Uh, John, what did you think of how Italy dealt with Chiellini's absence? And if he's going to be out for the remainder of the tournament, how is that going to affect them? I don't think it would affect them too much. You know, they would love Chiellini to be in there because he's got the experience and and, and probably the calmness when, you know, you, you're in a big game situation. But Acerbi did well when he came on. They still got Bonucci out there, very experienced. But it's all about the midfield. If they can win the midfield battle, and, and Insigne does actually give him that advantage because he, he starts on the left, but he drifts inside. So they, they end up outnumbering the opposition in the midfield and uh, and that gives the licence to spin it solo going forward. But majority of the time, they've got the ball and also they're, they're playing the opposition half. So if they do defend forward, they don't need to defend their box as much. So I, I think they should be okay. Donnarumma had to make one save this morning. And he showed that uh, he was ready for it. And uh, so that they look comfortable and, and confident at the back. So the Swiss game makes it about 910 minutes since the Azzurri have conceded a goal. And that's 31 goals scored without reply. So they're on this streak where it's now gone 29 unbeaten, 10 clean sheets. They've never lost in Rome at a major tournament. So that's an interesting one. Obviously, 1990 World Cup and now here. So all the stars are starting to build up. But as you mentioned uh, with 
being able to handle Keely in his absence. The depth and balance of the squad is really impressive. And I uh, caught up a bit earlier today with Dom Fifield from The Athletic, who was watching this game closely. It's been great to hear the insights of The Athletic's journalist through the tournament. And he had this to say, uh, pinpointing someone that we really haven't mentioned at all, Jorginho. It almost feels too early to make a proper judgment on, on Italy's true capabilities at this tournament. Um, and we should probably just be relishing everything that they've they've delivered up and served up so far. Um, I mean, their two games to date have been absolutely magnificent. That convincing wins both. And neither Turkey nor Switzerland were able to get even vaguely close to them on either occasion. Um, both teams, both opponents were overwhelmed in a in a style that perhaps we we might consider not particularly Italian. This uh, team that Roberto Mancini has constructed is. It's so quick on the ball and, and they, they hunt it down relentlessly and ruthlessly when they lose it. They're, they're very, very efficient and wonderfully entertaining. I mean, they're scoring some absolutely scintillating goals en route. And it's fair to say they have been a bit of a revelation, perhaps to the outside world with, with everything they've done so far in this in this tournament. But when actually when you look at what they've been achieving under Mancini in recent times they're probably just living up to expectations locally. Um, they've got that that perfect blend of, of, of youth and experience. They've got thrilling young players who are playing fearlessly. It's almost as if they're completely free of the shackles of that failure to qualify for the World Cup back in 2018. But there are also older heads there who are guiding them guiding them on, um, and particularly in defence, obviously. But I'd, I'd include Jorginho in there as well, I mean, on the fresh, on the, off the back of his success at Chelsea in the Champions League this season. But, but that defence, I mean, that, that is a, an aspect of the Italian performance to date that you might recognise from, from previous um, guises. Uh, they, I think they've got clean sheets now in each of their last 10 matches in all competitions. Got something like 965 minutes or something without conceding a goal, stretching back all the way to, to last October. Um, and that's the first time they've done that since the sort of turn of the 80s and 90s, November 89 to June 1990. So 29 matches unbeaten under Mancini. They shouldn't be considered dark horses. They should be considered right up there amongst the favourites for this competition. That midfield of Jorginho, Locatelli and Nicola Barella, they, they, they completely dominate. Jorginho is a quality player. We know that by watching him every week in the Premier League. It does, he does make the team tick, but he's going sort of unnoticed because the other players up front are, are taking the limelight because they're scoring so many goals as well. But, um, you know, what I also love seeing, and, and this will tell us our age, is that the, the bench of the Italians, and I'm looking at the coaches and the, the support staff. You've got Viali, you've got Ivani, you've got Mancini, you've got Attilio Lombardo. They're all my childhood heroes. <laughs> yeah. When I was growing up, you know, the Italian yeah. 90, they were all in that squad. And the, the 88 Euros, they were all there. And, you know, half the Sampdoria sides on the bench. And <laughs> they ended up playing the 92 Champions League final against Barcelona. But that experience probably helps the players as well because the these guys have been to icons. major tournaments yeah. and, and they're icons of the Italian game. But they also made a big call three years ago and these are 
players, former players who came through, as you mentioned at the top of the show, with a certain way of playing, and they've identified a cultural change, and that takes a massive amount of foresight and personality. See, that's where you have to give the Italians credit because the the, the Italians can be stuck in their ways, and uh, having lived there before, I know you you can only have an espresso in the afternoon. You can't have a cappuccino. So for them to actually make sure that they change their way in football, because they they saw we're behind here. Mm. We, we see the Spanish, we see the Germans, we need to change something. So they had to change something drastically. What they did, they changed their coaching philosophy. So they went to Covichano, got all the coaches together and said, this is the way forward, this is what we have to do. And if you do watch Serie A, it's no surprise because they all play out from the back when they can. They all try and play through the lines. They all try and take the game to the opposition. So it, it's now rubbing off into the national team. Atalanta is one of the best teams to watch in Europe. Sassuolo. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, great, great teams to watch, and and I think that's uh, that's helping their national team now. So, Dave, uh, Switzerland, we haven't mentioned them, and we haven't mentioned them much because they were not great fodder for the Italians. But um, did you do when you see a game like that and you see Granite Xhaka's hair? What's your immediate <laughs> response? That was the first note that I made in the. Actually, that was the second note. The first note I made that was that uh, Kalini was singing along with the musical parts of the national anthem. <laughs> 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 did notice <laughs> that. <laughs> <laughs> lovely, lovely stuff. I love the way that he went off as well. Like Other players, you know, feel a bit of a twinge and they go down and sit there and sort of go off in tears. He was just like, nah, tear off the armband, fling it off mm. and just sort of march off looking sort of angry. Actually, he didn't look injured at all. Just no. obviously I thought, this didn't even look angry, did he? <laughs> no, I, I, thought he, I thought he was annoyed at the VAR and disallowed <laughs> his goal and he goes, that's it for me. I don't need this game anymore. But, yes, I think but with Switzerland, like, I didn't expect much and they still didn't deliver. Like, they still didn't meet that low expectation I had. They were just such a mess. Well, there's and only so like, long really you can... enjoyed their game against Wales last yeah. Saturday because it was... And there were so many Wales. mistakes. Mm. Well, there was, it was like, I felt like sometimes you watch games at this level, say like uh, the um, France-Germany game yesterday, and there's so few mistakes. Whereas um, there were, the Switzerland-Wales game was more calamitous, you know, and, um, and they had a couple of... Pl- uh, yeah, Switzerland had a couple of good players. Um, uh, what's his name? Mbolo. Yeah. yeah, and he was amazing against yeah. Wales. He was not sided today. No. Yeah, but he didn't even get really a touch day. I didn't even notice he was on the pitch until he got booked at the end. I guess there's only so long you can rely on Shakiri and Xhaka as the two four, you know, two talisman of your team and it maybe it, it came to roost today. So, look, Italy are through six points up of the group. Do they, do they rotate in the next game? Perhaps not because they want to come top of the group. They have to come top of the group. Um, but it might be an opportunity to get uh, Verratti some minutes in the legs. Uh, that last one on the game there, is, is Verratti... Can he be squeezed in? Is is Barella's position in in danger? But they have seemed to have such a good chemistry right now. Yeah, look, it's a long tournament as well. So look, you expect that he will rotate a little bit against Wales. They still want to win. They want to come top of the group, and even a draw, they'll come top of the group. But that's not the Mancini way at the moment. They want to win every game. But you'd think that he will start to rotate a little bit because it's a long tournament. It's going to be very hot. They're going to be playing a little bit earlier in Rome in the summer. It can it can be very humid and hot. So he will want to rest some players. But um, going back to the national anthem, you know, I'm not saying this was the decider before the game, but did you see the Swiss sing their national anthem? It was like they were falling asleep. Have, and you, the Ita- have you heard the Swiss national anthem? <laughs> I mean, there's not much to sing along with. <laughs> and then the Italians were up and about, and uh, you could see they were ready to go. 
There, were, there was one thing, uh, when they were rubbish at, at the 2010 World Cup, one thing I remember is after the anthem watching, I was at the game and, and watching Gattuso run after the anthem was sung and it was like the bull had been let out of the gate and he was like, he was doing, so, I thought he was ready to play rugby league, he was taking sidesteps, he ran 100 metres and then went and lost to Slovakia. So, Did you, you ever know, see him play? It, lo- it was yeah, like he played rugby league. Yeah, <laughs> but the, the, the anthem, you could just see the impact it had on the players and this time they can actually carry through with it, which is fantastic to see. All right, earlier in the night we had Turkey and Wales, Wales winning Two nil, a really important win, Nick, because this puts Wales in the box seat to back up the 2016 performance and get through the knockout stages. Yeah, it, it's a huge win. I mean, it puts them in second position, obviously on four points, three above Switzerland. So you'd say they're almost guaranteed to, to go through to the next round. Um, but Gareth Bale, what a what a performance! You know, for someone who's kind of was frozen out at Real Madrid, didn't have the greatest of seasons at Tottenham, but finished strong. Um, he was incredibly impressive. And I'm just shocked that Gareth Bale is going to be maybe at Real Madrid next season and Sergio Ramos isn't. Who would have predicted well, that 12 well, months ago? Yeah, that, well, yeah, hold the fire on that because we will definitely talk about Sergio Ramos in a moment. But before that, just to get some thoughts on Gareth Bale, the Athletics' Stu James was watching the game closely. He is covering Wales closely for the Athletic and he had these thoughts for us on today's episode of the Gagan Pod. It was a terrific match. Wales started superbly. Uh, They were very good with the ball in the first half, unlike in their opening game against Switzerland. And they uh, created a number of chances, especially Aaron Ramsey, who missed two opportunities that you'd normally expect him to take. But uh, classic Ramsey, he keeps making those brilliant runs. He wasn't at all discouraged by the fact that he'd uh, squandered those chances. And it was a lovely ball from Bell, perfectly floated pass, and Ramsey took it on his chest and and finished with, uh, with real flourish. So... Yeah, it was a, an incredible match and you could see how much it meant to the Wales supporters at the end of the game. People really emotional there. I think you also have to take into consideration uh, not just what that victory meant to Wales when you see fans uh, crying in the stadium, but uh, what a horrendous 18 months or so it's been, obviously, with COVID and people haven't been able to watch their, their club team play Um a lot of those fans there probably would have thought at one time they weren't going to get the opportunity to go to the Euros. So a really special moment for them to see their team win uh, in Baku against Turkey in such a critical game and, and also to play that way as well. So a huge result for Wales and obviously now they've got one foot in the last 16. It's unthinkable really that they wouldn't be in the knockout stage. So uh, they can go and play Italy with an element of freedom now and, and that's uh, obviously so important. Uh, in terms of Gareth Bale, he was really quiet in that opening game. Uh, we spoke about him then being on the periphery of the match against Switzerland, really having very few touches of the ball. Total opposite today, really. He was at the centre of all the good things that Wales were doing. He was creating chances for Ramsey, linking up so well with him. And uh, obviously the one uh, black mark on his performance was the, the penalty kick. So unlike him, uh, skying it high over the bar an awful penalty and you really would have bat Bell in that situation but uh, in fairness to the guy uh, deep into injury time a lot of people would have probably chosen to try and keep the ball in the corner and instead he uh, sets up the sets up the second goal for Connor Roberts and so it was a really big performance from Bell today um, when Wells needed him he really delivered It's that time of the year your vacation is coming up You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. 
When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Yeah, Bale and Ramsey, two absolute superstars and Wales, uh, they're doing the job for Wales once again, despite in different club seasons coming into it. Yeah, that was the best I've seen Bale for a long time. And I'm talking about physically. He looked like he was moving a lot better. And um, and the combination with Ramsey. Ramsey's forward runs and his timing of his runs were brilliant. And uh, he took full advantage of a bad Turkish defence. Mm. Because the Turkish defence, especially on the first goal, they could have driven a bus through that uh, between the fullback and Sonchu. And so you go, all right, no problem. He missed that chance. Then he got another one and he missed again. He didn't shy away. He made another run. Bale picks him out again, and uh, it was a great finish. But, um, yeah, I was really very – well, I was, I was happy to see Bale in that form. But also Ramsey because I, I, you miss him scoring goals because at Arsenal, that, that's what they, they had. That's what they miss. It'll be interesting to see if he goes back there. It's funny with, uh, with that pair you mentioned. Like, with the Switzerland game on, on Saturday – didn't really even notice they were on the pitch until like the last 10, 15 minutes. Like Ramsey was completely anonymous. Um, but then they seemed to come alive in the, in the last sort of, you know, last phase of the game. And then this morning, yeah, brilliant, absolutely outstanding, as you say. And I think what I learned from this game is that Turkey are my spirit animal because <laughs> their absolute refusal to learn. Um, <laughs> so that, that ball that um, Bale played to... To Ramsey for the goal, like, as you say, that's like the third time they did it, and they got punished the third time. Um, yeah, just really disappointing from Turkey. They sort of they came in with this like great reputation as potentially being dark horses, and you know they what what's the opposite of a dark horse? I don't know. I, I, I said like, translucent uh, pony. Last yeah, week. translucent. I think, pony, I think yeah. it's worse. It's like a two dimensional, you know, donkey <laughs> by an eight year old or something. It's disappointing because they came into this tournament as Dark horses, but um, you know, defensively they were good, and I was surprised that he didn't play uh, Dimaral. I, I don't know why he didn't start him. There must have been something there, but he brought him on, um, and Ayman started, and he struggled. He struggled. Got caught ball watching on the goal. He, he, he's just looking at the ball, and and obviously then there's no communication there because he started to step when Bale was playing that ball. It's, you can't do that if Ramsey's coming from deep. He's not going to be caught offside. It was. It was poor defending, and, and they got caught out. For another synopsis on the game, Stu James had this to say about the overall contest. Probably the game of the tournament so far, I'd argue, Wales against Turkey. Uh, obviously, partly because there was so much riding on it. Wales knew, realistically, that they had to win this game to have a chance of uh, getting to the last 16. Because they've got Italy and Rome next, and we all know how difficult a game that would be. So, it really was imperative that they got a result against Turkey. In terms of What Wales can do now, um, they're certainly a team capable of causing an upset just like they did in the Euros in 2016. Um, So, yeah, we look forward to uh, seeing how they get on against Italy. Um, That will be a difficult game for Italy and uh, and seeing who they come up against now in the knockout stage. As for Turkey, the pressure was on them having lost that first game. There's still a window of opportunity for them, obviously, if they uh, beat Switzerland and and try to get through as one of the best-placed third-place teams. So, Nick, your dark horses into translucent ponies into paper mache donkeys. Um, <laughs> they've got a huge game against Switzerland coming up because they're pretty much out. But 
they have, being the first group, uh, I guess there is life, there is hope, because they can try, get a big result, a big win, and then just sit back and hope and pray that the other results with the other possible third-place teams go their way thereafter. Yeah, absolutely. I've got to say, I'm very annoyed at Turkey. I mean, you know, we were sold a lemon. What The the profile that we saw before the tournament, we're like, oh, yeah, this team's going to be good. They're going to be so hard to break down. It's completely the opposite. It's like, you know, when you buy something on Facebook Marketplace, you think it's going to be a nice couch, no stains. You turn up, it's cut in half, there's, you know, blood on it. it, it uh, Turkey has been the biggest disappointment of the tournament so far, in my opinion. What, what do you guys think? Yeah, and no, I agree with you. I, I was looking forward to watching them. I, I thought against Italy they were going to put up more of a fight. They didn't. Um, I thought in this game I had them down as favourites to win this game and they, they just didn't really turn up. The second half they started to get back into it. They started to cause problems. They started to put Wales under pressure. And then uh, they, they missed the chance. You almost missed a a guild edge chance really to make it 1-1 and then once Wales made a couple of changes brought on fresh legs that was the end of the game they that 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 was it they didn't have to really worry about Turkey anymore after that they'll be they'll be delighted Dave won't they they will be I was just gonna um ask John if you ever hit a penalty like Bales <laughs> <laughs> no because I probably couldn't hit it that high it was uh it was a bad penalty um but I, you could actually sense it as he was walking up he was it was breathing heavy I know it was hot and it was humid and whatever else but he looked nervous he looked and and probably in the back of his mind not scoring for 12 games now 13 would be playing on his mind and if they want to go Further in this tournament, I think they'll get through this round. But if they want to go even th- further, they need Bale to fire. And I mean score goals. He played really well. He set up all the chances. He set up both goals. But they need him scoring goals. Just on the Bale penalty, he does one of those stutter run-ups that we see. Neymar does it quite successfully. Um, you know, Jorginho has the hop. We've seen a bit of that. Uh, you know, Simone Zaza was the funniest one I ever saw at Euro oh, 2016 no. where he did the longest run-up in history, da-da-da-da-da, like a show pony. Yeah. I just want to know, you know, when you were taking penalties, did you ever experiment with different techniques with the stutter run-up? What are the advantages that it gives you? You know, did you ever talk to other players about it, why they preferred certain techniques? I, I've spoken to other players about it. I wasn't good enough or confident enough to actually do the stutter run up or or you know I'd run in at a, at a good pace because what happens then if you're if you're running in slower it, it gives the the opportunity that the goalkeeper starts to get a little bit impatient and he goes early and Swartzy spoke about it on the brekkie wrap he said that he stood there and he waited and he's going to bail you know what you're going to have to hit this really well for you to score and, and Bale started to like feel he's not moving yet. He's not moving. I haven't even seen him move. And then he, he puts that pressure on him, that added pressure that I need to hit at top corner or else he might get there. And, that, and that's probably why he hit it so high. So there, there are different techniques. The, the biggest one is confidence mm. when you're going into a penalty. And he didn't look confident before the penalty. Could he have been gassed? Like he had a big game. Has that got anything to do I, with it? I thought he was gassed until the last two minutes and he's dribbled three or four players <laughs> and I thought well he's not gassed maybe, obviously maybe the penalty was the break you needed that's why he sent it into the stands so he could have a few more minutes off um, Nick you touched on it a bit earlier so is Bale at the Bernabeu next year playing for Carlo Ancelotti while Sergio Ramos is 
Well, we don't know. Sergio Ramos is definitely leaving Real Madrid. There was a comunicado oficial this morning, which is one of my favourite things to see out of Real Madrid. Was it as big as yours, Optus Sport? No, it was it was significantly <laughs> bigger. I think, uh, and shout out to the Optus uh, newsroom for calling me Ben on social media. That was a, a very warm <laughs> welcome, but I love a new nickname. Um, no, but yeah, incredible scenes coming out of uh, Real Madrid. But we have to remember, when, with regards to Bale, he was very good under Ancelotti um, when Ancelotti was mm-hmm. at Real Madrid. Mm-hmm. And Ancelotti is one of the, those um, coaches who, you know, he'll bring in a player that he really likes and has a good relationship with so it might, we might actually see Bale have a really good season for Real Madrid unfortunately for me who really dislikes Real Madrid you know it was uh, interesting Ancelotti got asked that question as soon as he signed and he said about Bale he said if he wants to play and he's willing to actually give his all I would love to have him and and it's up to Bale really because he's still got a contract and uh, in this form I think that he can make a difference at Real Madrid. Well, and one thing we saw last season, they lacked goals. They, they, and Bale can bring them. You know, Vinicius hasn't hasn't done very well. Asensio had his issues. Obviously, Benzema was fantastic. Uh, Hazard was awful. They really kind of need that second player to, to deliver in, in the attacking third. And to be fair to Bale, no matter how polarizing his time at any club has been, when he plays, he he scores. Even in Spurs, when he came on, Absolutely. He, when he came, when he finally got to play, he, he scores. And he scores except in the for big Wales' game. last thirteen games. <laughs> well, he broke the deadlock today, mate. He broke the deadlock today. We're just going to go back. Time code. All right. Revise that one. Yeah, Ramos is a fascinating one because who knows who can afford him? Who knows? It's just so hard after 16 years to see him anywhere else but uh, but in Madrid. But he, he won't be in Spain. So is it Paris Saint-Germain? Is it Juventus? Is, it, is there a Premier League club that, can, that wants to go onto a veteran? Oh, that's another transfer to be watching. Um, Finland, nil. Russia, one ahead of Denmark against Belgium tomorrow on Optus Sport, the 2 a.m. kickoff. This makes what was a group that you assumed was going to get dominated by Belgium with Denmark following closely. It's really close to call because Russia have now picked up their three points. Finland have picked up their three points. Denmark have had an extraordinarily difficult circumstance to play in, but it is now all to play for them uh, on uh, in their game against uh, Belgium tomorrow morning. Yeah, and I think... Everyone wants Denmark to to go through and uh, to to do well um, after what after what they went through last week. It will be, I think, so hard for them to manage that emotion um, as a group. Um, so it's it's going to be difficult. And you know, Belgium started so well. Obviously, one of the best teams in the world. So um, certainly, Belgium aren't going to be sort of going easy on them. There's no sort of sentimentality really in football. So um, yeah, obviously you just hope that them and Finland go through and Russia miss out. I do anyway. <laughs> a lovely gesture from Belgium who will be kicking the ball out in the 10th minute mark to pay homage to Denmark's number 10. I noticed that you, you led your cartoon this week on the incident in, with, with Christian Eriksen. How difficult is it to find the tone for you, Dave, when you're dealing with normally a pithy kind of you know uh, genre and, and, way you, and medium um, to have to deal with something like that that comes up? Yeah, I think in normal circumstances, I'd have made a whole cartoon about that story. Um, but with uh, with the tournament football, everything moves so quickly. Um, not to say that you know we all forget about mm. Christian Eriksen and, and move on, but by the time I wrote the cartoon on Tuesday, even though it's only like a couple of days afterwards, like the news cycle has moved on, and everyone's talking about like Tuesday morning's games and. And so on, but yeah, it it is hard to to find that that tone between um, like the most serious issue imagine, imaginable and you know pithy stuff like the little car 
from you know <laughs> carrying the ball out. Mm. Like it's not easy to make that connection, but um, hopefully I, I managed to do it. But um, yeah. No, certainly it is an art form and it was a challenging situation for everyone involved with everything but a particularly I thought a particularly unique area for you because you know you, you do have a fair bit of satire and humour in your work and it's a it's a it's a admirable balance that you, you struck during the week from a footballing point of view John the balance um, how do you think that Denmark can possibly cope talking to Thomas early in the week he said they will play for them um, all the talk out of the camp has been they're going to do it for him they certainly have the quality. To, to do it how do you think in, in football in terms of it is possible to react to such a such an event look I hope they are, they are able to do it I I think that on a, you'd think that while they're in camp and they got each other around they will be okay mentally I think that they were able to speak about it they would have had meetings about it they would have had the club psych or the, the, the national team psych come in speak to them if anyone had issues or, or was worried about what they saw I think that they will, it will affect them a lot more once the tournament's over and you start to go into your own routine into your own life and, and you're a little bit alone mm. and, you, and you don't know who to turn to you don't know who to speak to so I'm hoping that they'll deal with it really well during the tournament, get the points they need to go as far as possible and try and do it for Ericsson and, and try and, you know, go it, it deep into the tournament because they definitely got the side. They've got a really good side. You know, they were unlucky that they didn't beat Finland. They should have won that game. It's not going to be an easy game for, for Belgium, even though Belgium are, are a great side and probably one of the tournament favourites. But I think Denmark can still, if they're mentally right, get through. And look, obviously, Ericsson, um, without Ericsson, they lose the X factor that maybe took them to a possible quarter-final stage, but they're still solid. They're still solid. So Belgium, who do have De Bruyne, Witzel available now, uh, they know they're going to be in a heck of a contest uh, tomorrow. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we see like a 1-1 draw or something like that. Uh, like you say, uh, Denmark, they also created a lot of chances against Finland. I think that, you know they did lose 1-0 and all the circumstances around it, but they still even played quite well. Yeah. So I think that there's a lot to come from uh, Denmark and the result this morning uh, between um, Finland, uh, and Russia. Finland and Russia kind of blows that wide open. So yeah, I, I think uh, going through from this group will be Belgium and Denmark. It is a uh, Atalanta's Alexei Munchuk with the goal. And the other thing to consider is it is in Copenhagen. So Belgium had yeah. to do a fair bit of travel as well to get around. And they're obviously back in, in Denmark. So I'd like to see difference. Axel Witzel back in the side. Because with him, Tielemans can get forward a little bit more. Denton Kurt's a good player, but not at the level of Axel Witzel. Um, and what about Hazard? Do you think Hazard's going to start? Because he did look quite good when he came off the bench. Well, I think the coach has said that he probably won't. Yeah, I, look, I think he will build him nicely into the tournament. You, you, look, you've still got Mertens. You've still got Carrasco that I think is actually in really good form. Lukaku is probably, the, at the moment, the striker of the tournament. Um, you know, he, How do you stop him? You know, he, he's just a physical beast. And, and also now his touch has improved. His, his all-round game's improved since he's gone to Italy. He's always had goals in him, but uh, he can't stop scoring. The only thing that might let them down is their old legs at the back. You know, we spoke about that last time. But, uh, you know, they haven't been tested yet. They will get tested. It's just that will Denmark have enough to test them. So, Dave... Uh, no, I was just going to say, I was trying to work out a route whereby... Uh, Belgium can play Spain at some point in the tournament and Hazard scores against oh. Spain. And I w- just want to see how that Real Madrid, that TV presenter Ching- And Chingarito, the, the, that television show, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he, he will relax, 
react very badly, I can tell you that. his sale then and there, there's no doubt about that. He almost looked in tears this morning when uh, the Ramos news came out, so, oh, okay. there, yeah. so uh, there's already that reaction, but yes, that would be fantastic. There's been so many little stories to come out of the tournament so far, as I said earlier, Locatelli is one today, Lukaku's form has been one as well, Morata's so much form. Shame. Morata's form, the other side of the equation. What's cooking in your mind, Dave? You've When's your next deadline? What what do you, what's taken? Uh, is it Ronaldo and, and Coca Cola? Is it um, Pogba and Heineken? What's uh, ticking over in your mind? I don't need to do another cartoon until next Tuesday, so whatever I'm planning now will Ooh. be irrelevant by then. You know, so um, yeah, the, obviously the Ronaldo story with the Coca Cola and. We said earlier that John, what did what did you moved out of the way the other day, and it led to a yeah. massive share drop in. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't know if I moved anything that made a massive share. I did say that I didn't drink Coke, and I didn't really like Coke well, in go. particular. But uh, you know, and I said if you're going to drink beer, it has to be an alcoholic beer. <laughs> it can't be non-alcoholic. Um, but uh, but I got a little bit of stick for the the coffee that I had on air the other day. It was a double macchiato, and you know, then Thomas uh, ordered a double espresso, and he goes, "This is a real man's coffee." Like, I was a bit disappointed in that. I didn't have like almond milk or <laughs> nutmeg in there or anything like that. Well, I mean, I, I to be honest with you, John, I suspected that you'd have a few marshmallows on the plate next to it with, with that order, really. It's <laughs> well, the, the hours we're getting up, Dave, and, and how we're going through, we need a, we need plenty of coffees. The, the coffee count's getting up there along with the barocas, yeah, exactly. No, very. Oh, you've just given away the trade secret of what's in the cups. Oh, didn't everyone know? I thought everyone knew. Oh, it's been a mystery. We've just kept well, going. It's definitely not alcohol, I can tell you that. <laughs> We are absolutely gibbering at this point. So before we move on to tomorrow's games, a quick word, because um, as, as I said, we've seen all the teams now. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing the Dutch play tomorrow against Austria because that game is still one of my favourites as well. Um, if you have to just pick, you mentioned your disappointment earlier, Nick. If you could pick the positive, and John, you're positive as well, um, I'd love to know. For me, it's been Italy. Italy playing the best football in the tournament. Uh, you know, the atmosphere has been wonderful. Everything from their squad announcement, where they had it on that kind of, you know, Australian Idol TV show. Uh, I, I think Italy has been been a revelation of the tournament and I've absolutely loved it. Yeah, look, I, I agree. I think Italy, you know, England started well. They haven't never won uh, their first game of uh, the Euros. So I, I think that's a, also a positive, you know, Belgium. I think the big sides that we expected to do well have started well. Even Germany, even though they didn't get the win, they, they, they showed good signs. And so I think that going into the tournament, you still, you know, we say the French are the favourites, but it's still very hard to pick. Yeah. That's the beauty of it. We still have no idea. We still have absolutely no idea. Um, we've spoken in depth about the Denmark-Belgian game at 2 a.m. Uh, coming up tomorrow morning. I'm saying tomorrow because I've, I've once again forgotten what day of the week it is. It's that kind of whirlwind. I think tomorrow is Friday, so I'm going to go with that right now. Um, but the other two games, of course, Ukraine against North Macedonia, Netherlands against Austria. What are you looking forward to, Dave, seeing uh, coming up tomorrow night? <laughs> what were they... <laughs> I was looking at something out the window. What were those games again? <laughs> <laughs> it's pumping here at Optus. Distracted, man. North Macedonia, Ukraine. Ukraine. That's the one. Yeah. North is, Macedonia, that, is that Ukraine. the one you're looking forward to the most? Let's say, yeah, because yeah. the first one you said. Uh, you know what? I want to see Pandev. Do you do a cartoon on Pandev because he's such a character. He's been around for a long time and uh, yeah. he scored the goal, the, you know, the, the other day. Uh, North Macedonia, I, I think they got a chance against Ukraine, even though Ukraine showed good signs, especially on the break against the Dutch. But... Uh, That'll be an exciting game. Those, uh, like, I was reading the other day after his performance um, against Austria, the stories coming out how he nearly signed for the Wanderers. It would have been great down mm, there. Yeah. It would have been brilliant. Wasn't a big enough name, apparently. Is that, is that, that right? That's, that's, that's oh, the same thing. He's only uh, scored how many goals in Serie A? Only won the Champions League. Yeah. 
There you go. Incredible, incredible stuff. What, what are you picking out of tomorrow? Well, for me, the Netherlands, because I'm still unconvinced by them. Obviously, they scored three goals against uh, the Ukraine, and Van Alden looked very good in attacking sense. But you still feel like there's a lot of weaknesses there and that they could come unstuck. And I don't know. Also, Memphis Depay, I'm really looking forward to as well. He's supposedly on the verge of signing for Barcelona. He said nothing is signed yet, but I really want to play for Ronald Koeman. There'll be an announcement soon. So I think he's going to sign for Barcelona very soon. And, uh, you know, I think he's a very exciting player. Yeah, I think the Dutch, uh, I liked the, the, you know, the way they played the other day. They did get caught a couple of times defensively, but um, you have to give credit to the Ukraine as well. The lick coming back in will, will help them a lot. But uh, going forward, it, no one expected Dumfries to be their major outlet in terms of, uh, you know, not only scoring a goal, but he had a couple of good chances. So, you know, the ball was under pressure. The pressure's off a little bit. Let's see if they can continue on and uh, perform well because they do not want to finish second. No. Because if they finish second, who have they got? The Azzurri, Italy. You'd so, think it would be the Azzurri, wouldn't you? Yeah, well, you don't know who wants to run into them mm. at this point. You want to, you, you absolutely want to avoid them right now. And um, we're looking forward to see where David Alaba plays as well uh, for Austria tomorrow because he's a he's probably the he's probably the, the top class player on the pitch tomorrow. Yeah, you can't. I, I hope I hope he doesn't play him. Uh, Franco Foda in the, in the centre of the back three. You know, I'd like to see him play further forward. That the, the quality he has, and we saw on the the goal that he set up the other day. That's when he moved him out to the left, and and he was able to get forward and put a. It was probably the cross of the tournament so far. He he reminds me of like the best player in primary school that he can just play any position <laughs> that he's popping up all over the pitch. That every time they get the ball, they're just like, just give it to him. He'll do something amazing, and it works. And Anatovic, if yeah. he'll start it after the controversy of. Uh, the other day as well and um, Alaba you know w- was calming him down and uh, let, let's see what happens there but they, they, look they, they're pretty strong as well Sabitz is a good player um, Austria they, they, you know they will cause problems with the Dutch but I still think the Netherlands will be too strong yep no, good stuff lots to look forward to once again that should be huge entertainment Dave great to see you thanks for well, coming in thanks for having me back absolutely suspension P- served <laughs> no <laughs> no come join us again uh, next week if you can um, leave the cartoon bunker we'd love, we'd love to have you back John we'll see you tomorrow again yep brilliant nick as well good stuff looking forward to it and copper america as well tomorrow uh brazil peru at 10 a.m is the big game in one minute, tell us what's happened in Copper America so far. Well, so far we've uh, seen no fans, which has been a big disappointment, but we've seen some great football. Uh, Neymar was uh, starring for um, Brazil. Uh, Messi scored a wonderful free kick for Argentina against Chile, but of course, because it's Argentina, they frustrated and eventually it was a 1-1 draw. Um, but it, there's been some uh, really great games. Colombia scored a wonderful set piece, so I'm really looking forward to all the games tomorrow, including uh, Colombia v Venezuela. If you're looking to catch up on anything there, go back onto the Sport app. We've got all the highlights, the extended highlights, and Nick's words on those games if you want farm through what's happened there. Is Messi the best free kick taker in history of the game? You can say, is Messi anything the best in history? Yes. Because it's, yes. Uh, look, there's been some great free kick takers. Um, Chilevet is the, the, the goalkeeper. <laughs> that was who came into your head. What about Mihalovic? <laughs> Mihalovic was good. Mihalovic. Mihalovic could score a free kick from the halfway line. That's yeah. how good he was. But I don't think anyone scored as many as Messi, right. especially not in the late, last eight not, years. Not with his longevity. I mean, obviously Beckham's the, cult, uh, the popular mm-hmm. culture, number one of them. Juninho Panabacano. Hey, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, a good shout. That's yeah. a good oh, shout. Mind so you, James Ward-Prowse. James Ward-Prowse is making, <laughs> he's, making, he's making that claim too. What uh, about Mille Yedinak? Oh, come on. That's disrespectful <laughs> not to even mention it. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, gents, we're going to go have a coffee and, uh, and, and... Another one? Search through the day. 
Yeah, it's time. It's time. Okay. Dave, John, Nick, thanks for your time today. Thanks for listening, everyone. Hope you enjoyed that one today. Thanks to the gents from The Athletic for joining us again today as they will throughout the tournament. Hope you enjoyed our insight as ever. And until the next episode of The Gagan the match day edition of The Gagan Pod, enjoy your football. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.